Welcome to episode 186 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we're looking at the Lone Gunman pilot episode. This is our spin-off series. Not just a related series, but an actual planned spin-off. So it's season one, episode one of that series. It originally aired on Sunday, March 4th, 2001. And it currently has an IMDb user score of 7.9 out of 10. The action primarily takes place in Maryland. Now, massive trigger warning here to spoil the last 10 minutes, but here I have to. This does deal with a plot to, in this case, fake a terrorist attack. But whether it's a fake or real terrorist attack doesn't change the fact that the plot is to crash a plane into the World Trade Center. This did air, as I said, March 4th, 2011, so approximately six months before that happened in real life. But for that reason, this episode has never been aired in broadcast in the United Kingdom, and the time before this was released on DVD was significantly longer than it was for other Fox productions at this level of popularity at the time. So the spinoff was delivered by Chris Carter. It was actually co-created by Chris Carter, Vince Gilligan, John Scheiben, and Frank Spotnitz. Those four share writing credits on the pilot episode. And Glenn Morgan and James Wong get credit for creating these three characters. Or at least the core three of Byers, Frohicke, and Lang. We are going to eventually have five regular members of the cast. So far, we've only met four. And Chris Carter delivered this because he'd had issues in the past. As I said, he had a deal with Fox to deliver three series. Part of that contract was to make sure each series made it to at least 13 episodes. X-Files had done that. Millennium had done that. Harsh Realm had been canceled after nine episodes, even though it originally had a 13-episode order. And the general attitude and the understanding was that Fox deliberately pulled the plug earlier than it needed to just so they could get one more series out of Chris Carter, especially when they found out he was working with Sean Cassidy, who created American Gothic, on another series that was going to reach another network. So by pulling the plug on Harsh Realm, he was still bound under contract and was unable to go and work on that other project. So when this came in under The Lone Gunman, and Fox was looking for this spinoff, He was very hesitant to do it unless he had a guarantee from them that they would air all 13 episodes, no matter what, and fulfill his contract. Now, 13 episodes were produced, but it took a while before all 13 aired. We'll get to that at the time. Now, in addition to having those creators that they were familiar with on the writing staff, we've got the same three actors playing Froheke, Langley, and Byers that we've had through the entire X-Files run so far. They also managed to bring in Rob Bowman to direct. Now, Bowman had directed several episodes of the X-Files, but he did leave because he felt he wasn't really pushing himself there. He directs the pilot and only the pilot on this series. So this opens with the funeral of Byers' father. And we find out that John Fitzgerald Byers, who's a bigger part of the Lone Gunman, had a falling out with his father over that association, and his dad still believed in the government, if not in all of the people who work for the government. 
And it comes through clearly here that they're saying, yeah, the government isn't perfect, but stop blaming the entire entity for the actions of a few, which is a criticism that could be leveled at the X-Files in general. So it's nice to have that attitude given voice. It's also nice to see the lone gunmen having their own adventure that doesn't tie into Mulder and Scully in any way, shape, or form. As much as we love those characters, and it makes sense to bring them in in that context on the X-Files, even when they're having their own episodes, at least one of those two are there, we've always had the impression that they're doing their own investigations, and this show was a chance to give us an opportunity to see that, and see how the three of them actually work in the field and what roles they play. So when one of the elder buyer's co-workers comes to the group and tells them that he feels their father was killed, it puts them on the track for the investigation to find out what exactly it was he was uncovering. It's ultimately learned that that colleague of Byer's father was actually the one in charge of the whole thing. And Byer's father had figured out that, yeah, he was conspiring to produce this terrorist attack, or this faked terrorist attack, to increase Defense Department spending and make America more militaristic so we can gain the financial benefits of that. And that Byer's father had in fact faked his own death and was still alive. The corpse that was cremated in his name was actually that of the assassin who was sent to kill him. And while the lone gunmen do manage to rescue Byer's father, Byer's father and Byer's come to terms with each other and come to an agreement in that his father accepts Byers and calls him brave because he cannot stand up to these guys. Just knowing that he was alive twice almost got him killed. He is not going to say a word to anyone. He is going to go to ground and disappear. So we've got a kind of happy ending in that they don't get the story they were looking for. They can't actually report on this terrorist plot because they can't prove it. But they did end up with a very powerful computer chip that they used to break the encryption and save the day and can prove that that is invading the privacy of their users. And that was through a company called EcomCon, which was a tribute to Seven Days at the Condor for the fake company that was developed for that movie called Emergency Communications and Control. Oh, and I apologize, not Seven Days at the Condor, Seven Days in May. So in addition to the three cast members that we know, we are also introduced to Zuleika Robinson, who plays Eva Del Harlow, or at least that's the name she uses. It's an anagram of Lee Harvey Oswald, so it's not her real name. She's a mysterious but very talented hacker, not quite as moralistic as these guys, seems to be in there purely for profit who's got some sort of history with Frohickey to the point that he recognizes her kiss and vice versa. So she, according to the IMDb, at this point was best known for Hidalgo, The Merchant of Venice, Homeland, and Lost. She currently has a recurring role as Vanessa Hadid on Law & Order Special Victims Unit. She was also in the TV spinoff of The Exorcist, Still Starcross, The Following, and has had a number of recurring roles in television. So she does appear in the entire run of The Lone Gunman. Prior to The Lone Gunman, she'd only appeared in Benefactor Scenes from an Arrangement, which was a short film as Hope Crawley, and Time Code as Lester Moore's assistant in the year 2000. 
And then following the lone gunman, she will appear again in an episode of The X-Files that wraps up some of the dangling plot lines from this series, because unfortunately they didn't know they weren't going to get a season two when season one ended. Now the most prominent guest star is Gene Coe. Unfortunately, he passed away at age 86 in 2015. But he is in here as the Elder Byers, specifically Bertram Roosevelt Byers. Now, his IMDb list goes back to 1970 or 1965. Sorry. According to this, he is best known for Transformers Dark of the Moon as Kay and Wheeljack, for Remo Williams, for the original Stepford Wives, and for a role in Kramer vs. Kramer. He was also the voice of Woodhouse in Archer. And he's still credited with the voice of Woodhouse beyond where that series, or beyond his, the day he passed away, right into 2019. So I think they're using some past recordings for that. And he was doing a lot of voice acting towards the end in Star Wars The Clone Wars, some video games, as well as appearances in Supernatural, King of Queens, Gilmore Girls, Smallville, The West Wing, and so forth. Now, his colleague, Wally Dalton, is best known for Assassins, Wendy and Lucy, Millennium, and Autumn Waltz. He is still actively working today. His last credit, East of the Mountains, is in post-production. And he also appeared in two episodes of Millennium prior to appearing here, as well as provided a voice for the X-Files video game. His credits go back to 1974. Now, Jim Fife is... Kimmy the Geek, the twin brother of Jimmy the Geek. He's also known for the Frighteners in Tanner 88. But we did discuss him when he previously appeared in the X-Files in the episode Three of a Kind. And it's not the last we've seen of him. Now, David Kay does a lot of voice work. He's got 312 credits to his name, doing various voiceovers and whatnot. He was the newsreel announcer in Up. He was a narrator in Fido. He's Clank in Ratchet and Clank Future. He was Professor Charles Xavier in X-Men Evolution. And going through this, I'm seeing roles in Ben 10, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, the new DuckTales series as Duckworth, Baron Zemo in Avengers Assemble. It's a very, very long list of credits, but most of them are purely voice acting credits, or at least that's what they've been in recent years. Tony Morelli is notable. He plays the would-be assassin here. He's only got 30 acting credits to his name, four of which are in The X-Files. He had an uncredited role in Deep Throat. He played a cop in Genderbender, Third Man in Stairwell and Paperclip, and Lord Kimbo in Jose Chung's From Outer Space. So we've seen his work before, but most of his credits are various unnamed characters or team member number five at least with his 30 acting credits. He's got 135 stunt credits, including work in Time Cop, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Godzilla, and The Sixth Day. And he's had work right up until 2016. Unfortunately, he passed away at age 58 in 2015. I'm not seeing a cause of death listed on the IMDb. I know he left behind a spouse and three children. And it was actually his three children that appear in the fast food restaurant scene in Talitha Kumi. 
But with a stunt actor, I'm never quite sure about the cause of death. Was it something on the job or not? It doesn't list it. But at age 58, he was doing well to still keep working on stunts. Similarly, Garvin Cross has 75 acting credits to his name, including the role of Navigator in this film. He'd already appeared in the X-Files as Redhead Kid in Fearful Symmetry and Repairman in Heronvolt. Again, a lot of random names in the acting credits and 165 stunt credits. He is best known for his stunt work in Inception, Hung Fang Kui, Chaos, and Blade Trinity. He's also notable, as at least his IMDb headshot bears more than a passing resemblance to Daniel Craig, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's done some stunt work in his films, although I can't see it anywhere in his credits. But that's about it for The Lone Gunman. It is a different show than The X-Files. It's trying to take a more comedic bent, as we've seen. This is one of the more serious episodes. They will get a bit funnier as we go on. It was a show that I thoroughly enjoyed and sincerely hoped would have gotten more than the one season that we had from it. As we'll eventually hear, I was ready when season 9 was on the air for the X-Files for that to be the last season of the X-Files, but I would have been happy with more of The Lone Gunman. In any event, that is everything we have to say about The Lone Gunman pilot. You can always send feedback to Bureau42Podcasts at gmail.com and join us again in two weeks' time when we take a look at the second episode, Bond, Jimmy Bond, which introduces our fifth regular cast member. And we will continue covering these shows in broadcast order until we get close to the end of the Lone Gunman series. So this will cover the next few weeks of the X-Files podcast as we're going through the Lone Gunman, at least as it has planned now. Now I have asked for feedback which you could send, again, to Bureau42Podcasts at gmail.com and letting me know if you'd rather we start grouping the Lone Gunman episodes to cover multiple episodes in a single podcast to speed up the coverage of the spinoff and get back to the X-Files itself sooner rather than later. So join us again in two weeks' time, and thank you for listening.